The Everyday Style School podcast is brought to you by our collection of capsule guides and style masterclasses. Maybe you're struggling with creating a style that really feels like you, or maybe you're overwhelmed by your overstuffed closet, or maybe you just want an easy, done-for-you wardrobe plan. Whatever you need, we've got a solution for you. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com and use code PODCAST at checkout to take 20% off of your next purchase. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at youreverydaystyle.com. Hello, gorgeous. You're listening to the Everyday Style School podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Mackey Mary, and I've been dressing real women just like you for over 20 years. Now I'm on a mission to teach women around the world how to create easy, effortless style without confusion and overwhelm. If you're ready to create a wardrobe you love and feel confident every day so you can live the life you want, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the Everyday Style School. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk to you, not just because you're one of my favorite people on the planet, but because you give such great parenting advice. And before we start, I want to share with you that last week I was, you know, just kind of going through my podcast role and there was an episode from you about how to deal with it when your kids talk mean to themselves or when they say mean things to about themselves. And I was like, well, that sounds interesting. And so I listened to it and that was on a Thursday on Friday. So the next day, one of mine had a really difficult situation with friends and she was feeling so terrible. And I was like, wait a minute, I have better tools to respond to this. <laughs> I'm so glad. That's my goal is to empower parents to know what to say and how to handle things. Yeah. I wasn't just like spewing the, oh no, you're fine. Everybody loves you. What are you talking about? You're crazy. You know, like <laughs> I, and I was like, okay, we are in the, the yuck rainbow. We're in the arc. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, people, you got to go listen to Rachel's podcast because she talks about the yuck a lot. And it's such an important concept, but this idea of the rainbow and you kind of just got to let them go through the arc of feeling bad. Yes. Oh my gosh. It was so, so, so helpful. So thank you, Rachel, for making my last Friday a little bit better. I Uh, really appreciate it. It was a great episode. I am so glad. Thanks for telling me that. You're welcome. All right. So tell us a little more about who you are and how you got started. So I am Rachel Bailey and I am a mom first and foremost. But um, in addition to that, I'm what I call a parenting specialist. It's sort of like a parent coach, but I actually use instead of just trying to pull answers out of a client, which is what most coaches do, I do do a lot of consulting, to be very honest. And I give pretty clear and direct advice. So I got here, though, in a very roundabout sort of way. I did not plan to even have kids, let alone work with parents. I actually was studying to be a neuropsychologist, believe it or not. And uh, along the way, I got pregnant. And so I never became a neuropsychologist. But what happened was after I was pregnant, I was doing a little bit of therapy. Um, I was a therapist for mostly kids and teens. And what I found that underlying a lot of the issues I was seeing. I was seeing a lot of kids and teens with anxiety and ADHD and behavior problems, big emotions. But what was underlying a lot of this was sort of how they felt about themselves and messages they were telling themselves. And so I realized pretty early on that, hey, I actually want to start working with parents so I can start a little earlier in this process. And then when I started working with parents, I realized that at least at the time, this is about 11 years ago now, there weren't that many people giving these like practical tools and tips. So it was really, I found my sweet spot because I could 
really help kids and teens more, but I could also help parents who were really looking for this like hands-on practical advice. I love that. And I actually really like the distinction between like a counselor and a coach. One is just trying to get answers out of you. And the other one's like, no, here, just do this, say this. And I think sometimes we go for advice and I get that I do it to people all the time. Like, (laughs) just give me the answer. I just need an answer. You know, I, sometimes we need that. And I absolutely, absolutely love that. So I talked a little bit in the intro about how this show isn't for moms. It's for women. Now it could be for women who are moms, but I wanted a place with this show to really focus on women as women. But a lot of who we are as women for a lot of us is our role as mothers. And I feel like a lot of us feel like we're not doing it very well, even though I think more of us are doing a really great job than we give ourselves credit for. But a lot of us feel like we're we're lacking, like we're not doing a great job. Why are we so hard on ourselves as mothers? Yeah. And I think too, whether we're a mother or not, most women at least fall into the caregiver role. Yeah, and, that's a good point. And even if you're not, you know, mo- a mother per se, just we're, w- women tend to be their nurturers and any type of nurturer feels like we're not good enough. And I think part of it is you know, and I'm going to be honest, it's going to be hard for me not to say to you, I want to hear what you think. I want to hear what you think. I do want to hear what you think too. I'll give my thoughts, but um, I would love to hear yours as well. I think there are a few reasons. Number one, I do think we love the people we're taking care of so much that we want to make sure we're doing right by them. I think that's the first piece. I think there's another piece that as often as women, we grow up with the message of you can be anything, you can do anything, which we internalize to, we should be able to do it all. And so if we aren't doing it all, which by the way, you can't do it all. And if we're not, we feel like we're not doing enough. And I also think, especially if I do go back to the specifically the parenting role, there's so much, there is advice. I'm an advice giver. I mean, I definitely think there's a place for coaching and counseling, but I really am an advice giver. And I think there's a lot of advice that you're quote unquote doing it wrong. Mm. And when we hear that, we panic and we internalize that because we want to be doing the right thing. So I think all of that together leads to us feeling like, oh my gosh, we're just not doing a good enough job. I also think, and again, this is going to sound really weird because I am one of these people. There are so many experts out there Mm -hmm. today, right? There are so many experts and all experts do is tell you the right way to do things. Right. And I really try hard on my show not to do that because- it's pants. Like you really can't screw it up. Like you're, we're not, we're not saving lives. We're getting dressed. Let's, let's put that in perspective, but there isn't a wrong way to do it. It's just what works for you. What makes you happy? What makes you feel good? So I just feel like we get caught in this trap of listening to so many experts that, and you can listen to 10 experts a day and get 10 different ways of doing things. And it might not be the one best way for you, you know? And, and so I think, there's also the syndrome, and I think it's a, a social media thing. I think it's just a, our, our perfectly polished lives thing where everybody seems to have it all together. Yep. Everybody. And you know what I love is watching British TV because their houses are not always perfect. I was watching this one show, and if you've listened to the show, you know I love a little bit of true crime <laughs> and murdery stuff. But I was watching this show called Hinterland. And the character, the main character, the the women, the woman, and she's one of the, one of the main characters, she wears the same coat in every episode that would never happen on an American TV show. The show would be about her wardrobe. Right. And so I love the idea of imperfection and just like, Hey, this is real life. And I, so I just, 
I think we have to get rid of this idea that the people that we are looking to who are shining all the time, who are perfect all the time, that that's really the attainable goal. Because Rachel, I'm sure you've yelled at your kids every once in a while. I talk about it all the time on the yeah, podcast yeah. that I'm such, and like, I can like see myself doing something and I'm like, no, no, don't do it. And then I do it anyway. And I know I'm not doing the right thing all the time. That is the story right? of my parenting life. Yep. And, absolutely. and I wear, I wear crew neck t-shirts right. and I go, oh, that's not the best for you. Oh, well, I like it. You know? So, exactly. And maybe we, you know, we, we need to talk about that stuff more. We need to talk about the fact that even quote unquote experts, they're not right all the time and they're not perfect all the time and, you know, let go of that thing. So, all right, I'm going to ask you a tough question and I'm just curious to hear what you, you have to say about this. What does it mean to be a good mom? I actually think you segued very well into that by your last answer. And I have to be very honest that first of all, I think what a good mom is varies from person to person. And I think it's important for us to define what that looks like for ourselves And based on what you just said, I couldn't agree more that there's so many experts telling you what to do. And ultimately, I think a good mom, or at least a mom I admire, I don't, because I don't really know what a good mom is. I don't even know if there's such a thing. Moms that I admire do really look inside to figure out what the right thing is for them. Hmm. And on top of that, and this goes together, they don't get lost in, um, you know, what everyone's telling them to do. And they don't lose themselves in parenthood either. Amen. They are, yeah, they are their own person and they realize that their kids are not a reflection of them and that they don't have to shape their kids into something because they have their own lives. And and it doesn't even mean like working outside of the house or in the house. It's just that they don't lose themselves as themselves as a person when they become a parent. It's so easy to do though. Oh, totally. It's so easy to do. Totally. But you know, I always joke with, with people, you're allowed to have an email address with your name on it. (laughs) Right. I, I get emails all the time and I, you know, with friends and whatever. And it's like, boy, mom, one, two, three. And, you know, (laughs) mom to two girls. Like, come on, you still have a name and it's not mom. You can have, but I do think that goes a long way into helping you be a happier person. Yep. When you, when you still feel like a person, it's hard to be a happy mom. If you're not a happy person, it's hard to be a happy person. If you don't feel like a person anymore. Absolutely. And very honestly, as someone who's a quote unquote parenting expert, I don't actually believe there's such a thing as an expert, as, but as someone who people turn to for advice, I actually think our level of you know um, performance as a parent has so much to do with how we are doing and how we are feeling. Yeah. I can give you all the tips and tricks in the world, but if you're not in a good place, you won't be able to implement those tips and tricks, and then you're going to feel bad as a parent. So you really do have to be in a good place yourself. And often that means not losing yourself in your parenting. It's that whole, you can't pour from an empty cup thing. Exactly right. My gosh, that comes up up all the time and over and over and over and over again for women, I think. And maybe someday we'll really take it to heart. I think a a lot of us are like, you can't pour from an empty cup. Meanwhile, we're just depleted, you know, and we're saying the words, but we're not really taking it in. So what are some ways that women can stay a person even when they become a mom? One of the things I think we have to do is figure out what what a person is. I think it's hard to become a person if you haven't defined what you, who you are to begin with. A lot of times I actually require of the people that I work with that they have something outside of parenting. If you want to work with me, we're going to have to find something for you that's outside of parenting that fuels you. And you wouldn't believe how many parents, or maybe you would believe how many parents, when I say that, they say, well, I have no idea what that would be because I think we're so 
focused even, you know, in our early adulthood before we become parents on achievement. And we have like these, these goals in mind that are outside of ourselves. And so we don't even know. So I think the first step is simply figuring out what does that look like? I have parents um, create what I call a parenting avatar. And I also have them create a person avatar. And that's basically their vision of who they want to be so that we can create clear action steps that get them there. But first you have to envision what that even looks like. Mm, I love that. And, you know, I think a lot of people be like, oh, of course I know what a person looks like. But really when, when you said like, you have to have something that lights you up that you love to do. I had to think for a second, like, do I have anything? And and I do, I do. They're not, they're not exciting things anymore. And I have to accept. <laughs> you may not be cool anymore. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, puzzles and bird watching. Wow. That's really great, Jen. Yeah. But no, that, that makes me a person. It's something about me. And Absolutely. I think that that is, that's a really good point. If you don't know who you are, that's probably a great place to, to start. Mm-hmm. So a few years ago, you and I, and another friend of ours, we took a little work retreat vacation-y thing on a snowy weekend. Do you remember this? Oh, very well, of course. And we, and our hotel rooms were in this like really remote building that really had the potential to turn into a crime scene. And there was like nowhere to buy bottled water. It was bizarre, but we had a great time. We had a great time. And one of the things that we were working through with you, because we were all kind of helping each other, like where are we stuck in our businesses? One of the things we were working through with you is like how to help parents at different stages, right? Because parents of babies have very, very different challenges than parents of middle schoolers. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And what are some great mom principles that stay the same regardless of our kids' ages? Obviously, remaining a person is one, which is something I think gets easier as your kids mm-hmm. get older. I think that one gets easier. Oh, for sure. It really, really does. So that's one. I think the other one has more to do specifically with, you know, people come to me because they, they're concerned about their kids' behaviors or more specifically what I actually specialize in is helping parents of children with big emotions. So that's usually people are coming to me to deal with moods and behavior and emotions and things like that. And I would say that what doesn't vary, so it doesn't matter how old your child is, is you really want to start to see your children's behavior instead of something that needs to be punished. As, as something that, you know, when your kids are misbehaving or they're having big emotions, they're not being a problem. We don't have to punish it out of them. We have to see it as a form of communication. And very often they're having a problem. So whether your child is 18 months old, having a, a tantrum, or I guess that happens a little bit older, but whether they're three years old and having a tantrum or they're 17 years old and they're being disrespectful in both cases, it's like, okay, what do we do to punish them? What do we get them to stop? In both cases, they're having a problem not being a problem. And we really need to see that behavior in children and in adults is about communication and they're communicating that they're struggling. And instead of punishing it out of them, we actually have to figure out what's going on and give them tools to do better. Oh, that is such a good mindset shift. That is such a good mindset shift. I remember once my older one had really big emotions as as a kid. And when you said temper tantrums at three, her first one was 10 months old and it was Mother's Day yeah. and she wanted to get in the fountain at Reston Town Center in Virginia. And clearly I wasn't allowed allowing her to get in the, the fountain at Reston Town Center. Mm-hmm. It was the back arch, legs locked, like mm-hmm. it was crazy. I've never seen a meltdown like this in a 10 month old who clearly knew what she wanted. And then my, my little one, like never had a temper tantrum ever. 
never the whole Mm. she's now nine and she's never had like that huge meltdown thing you know my big one was telling me she just wanted to get in the fountain she just really she wanted to do something she wasn't ready to do you know there was she wasn't allowed to do yeah and that's really important because what happens is parents will say well they have to learn that they can't do what they don't feel like doing you know they just because they feel like it doesn't mean they should be able to get in the fountain and we kind of get angry we kind of get frustrated But ultimately, a child who wants to get in the fountain and can't get in the fountain is feeling all sorts of big feelings. And they're also feeling out of control because there's this big human who has a lot more power, a lot taller, a lot louder, telling them they can't do something. And that is so dysregulating for a child. And so to get mad at a child, I'm sure you didn't do that because you're actually one of the parents I admire. (laughs) But um, when we don't see it that way, when when we just see, oh my gosh, they're melting down and I need to show them who's boss and... All it does is it actually makes the emotions and the behavior worse in the long run. But when we see that they're having a problem and we can actually help them re-regulate themselves, everything is different. I just think that is a fantastic way to look at things. And so now fast forward from the baby years, I'm in the middle school years and (laughs) and she doesn't, my older one no longer really shows emotion. She's gone from having like big emotions to very, very inward. But boy, oh boy, are these, they're way more difficult to deal with. Yes. <laughs> She's a great kid. She's phenomenal. But who middle school is fun. Which brings me to my next <laughs> question. What are some great mom principles that changes our, as our kids get older? So as we're going through the stages, what are some of the challenges and, and tips that you can give? Let's talk to our baby moms, our infant and toddler moms for a minute. I mean, I I really think during infant and toddler years, it's so much about our own taking care of ourselves and having the energy because the brain develops, our our ability to regulate ourselves develops, you know, but it doesn't fully develop till we're in the mid-20s. So when a child is in infant, toddler, preschool years, they have very little ability to regulate their emotions, to be mature and respectful. And so to help them regulate, to help them be where, you know, to, to give them the support they need, it does take a lot more energy. And so really, I think in the younger years, it does, it's so much more. I mean, it's always about self-care and how we treat ourselves, but it's so much more about that. Hmm. And then what, what we have to do as they get older, which is, is that what you were going to ask? Yeah. So as, what, they as they get into like the elementary school years, what, what, how do we shift our focus? How do we shift our priorities? I really think our priorities shift as they get older from being teachers to them, to becoming learners from them. I really think our job as parents is, and this comes from my therapy years as a therapist, our job as parents is not to try to mold them into what we want them to be, but to allow them to be the best version of themselves. And that requires us, especially as they get older, that requires us to actually learn from them who they are. And instead of trying to spew advice at them and cram our knowledge down their throats, as they get older, we need to learn more from them about who they are and how we can support them in becoming the authentic person that they're meant to be. I absolutely love that. You know, my mom used to say, my children don't belong to me. She would say, you belong to God in yourselves. And it's just my job to get you through to adulthood. Yep. And, you know, wisdom from Sonia comes in these little nuggets all through through my life. But I've always thought that that was a really good one. I think a lot of a lot of parents get really wrapped up into who their kids are and who they want them to be rather than who that child wants them to be. And it's why I've never gotten real hung up on what my kids wear. That's It's not a reflection of me. It's not, I have nothing to do with that. You want to look crazy, right. look crazy. I don't care. That's, that's your deal. 
yeah. you'll figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And they probably have to go through that developmentally. They actually have to go through those phases of wearing whatever they want to figure out who they are. And I think that's the biggest problem. If we actually almost go full circle to the beginning of our conversation is that a lot mm-hmm. of women don't know who they are. And it's our job to let our kids figure out mm-hmm. who they are within boundaries. Obviously, we're not going to let them do things that are illegal or dangerous, but within boundaries, we need to let them figure out who they are for themselves and learn from them and be on that journey with them. They need to wear whatever they want to see, oh, this feels right. This doesn't feel right. Otherwise, what happens is we raise inauthentic human beings. And I will tell you, the research shows that happiness doesn't come from money or from things. What happiness genuinely comes from is being authentic to yourself. The closer your everyday person is to the person you are really meant to be, the closer those two people are, the happier you are. So if we're not allowing our children to realize who they are, we're going to, you know, our goal is always to raise happy kids, but you won't do it by trying to make them into what you want. You'll do it by helping them figure out who they are. Oh, that is such good stuff. That is so, so good, Rachel. All right. So now let's talk to middle school moms, the moms (laughs) who are getting the eyes rolled at them on a daily basis. (laughs) Okay. Now what? Now what? And and I guess we can cut it middle school into high school. What do we Yes. What, what is it I would say the biggest thing you want to think about, and this is going to be, this is going to get some eye rolls from parents, very honestly, is do not take that stuff personally. That doesn't mean a lot of parents will say, well, then aren't I letting them get away with it? And in fact, I'm about to talk about that on my podcast. Are we letting kids get away with it? But one of the biggest things is we can't take that personally because as soon as we go into our own fight or flight response. I talk about yuck on my podcast, but as soon as we go into fight or flight because our kids have rolled their eyes and we interpret that as a threat, as a bad thing, we can't handle it effectively. So I'm not saying don't handle it when your kids roll their eyes, but you want to handle it from a place of I've got this versus, oh my gosh, my child will not treat me that way. It's very, very different. The approach matters in how effective you're going to be. And it starts with not taking that so personally, not seeing that as a threat and, um, you know, the worst thing in the world that could have happened. You st- you can approach it from a much better place when you don't take it personally. Okay. Okay. You know, we went to middle school orientation, I guess, when my daughter was in fifth grade. And the principal, who I, I really like and respect, said, these next years, your kids are going to be on an emotional roller coaster. Your only job is not yep. to get on it with them. <laughs> Amen to that. I say that all the time. Yep. Yes. Sometimes I'm in the kitchen. I'm like, don't get on the roller coaster. Don't get on the roller coaster. Just stay off the roller coaster. It's hard. It is so hard. It is hard, especially if you don't have tools. Like one of the things I say is I'm never going to give you advice. I say to my my clients, I'm never going to give advice without telling you how to do that. And if you don't have the tools, you do absolutely. I always call these big emotions like black holes. We get sucked in. Like anything around these big emotions, we can get sucked in unless we know how not to. And I absolutely said that as well. Do not get on your child's emotional roller coaster because if you think about it, if a child is, this is a horrible metaphor, but just bear with me. If a child is drowning and you jump in the water with them, you're not going to be able to save them. If you can stay you know, on the beach and reach out your hand and say, hey, you're not calm right now. You're not regulated because very honestly, eye rolls are a symptom that they're dysregulated very honestly. And not like huge dysregulation. It's a sign that they're feeling something. And if we can't actually reach out our hand to help them, if we're not saying I'm unsure, I'm safe, I can help you, then the situation goes downhill really, really fast. Okay. 
All right. Don't jump in with your kid. Terrible metaphor. I get it, but also so (laughs) powerfully accurate. All right. So let's talk to, is that the same kind of advice for like high school and college moms or what are we, where are we shifting there? Well, high school and college moms, it's, I mean, recognizing that your child is now becoming independent. And one of the things I do, especially with parents of like late high schoolers, there's a, there are a lot of issues over the phone. There are issues over, you know, these sort of rules and boundaries about life. And what I say as your kids get older is you actually want to help them figure out what motivates them. So a lot of parents will come to me and say, well, what's the best punishment or consequence if my child doesn't put their phone away when they're supposed to? And at that age, what you really want to do is actually have a conversation with your high schooler and say, okay, we're going to try some things and figure out together what motivates you because you're about to leave my house, our house, and you need to figure out what works for you. So instead of, you know, saying, okay, here's the consequence, you have to follow it actually working with your child at that age to help them figure out what motivates them so that by the time they go to school, because I get a lot of calls where kids have been really, really, um, you know, their parents have been very rule binding and then they don't know how to motivate themselves when there are Mm -hmm. no longer any rules. So you really want to help them figure out what motivates them at that point. Yeah. You know, you see that when you go off to college, you could tell the kids whose parents let them have a little freedom and the parents who allowed none because the parents who allowed none, those kids were drinking and partying seven nights a week. Whereas the rest of us were limiting it to four or five. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay. That is really, really good advice. And I think it kind of shares with our audience where we can put our focus in during each stage and not get so ahead of ourselves or use the same parenting strategies that we're using for our middle schooler that we were with our toddler because they are, they're different and they're going to require a different approach. I do want to say though, when you were talking about like, what do they like? Who are they? It reminded me of a client that I worked with and her mom had picked out all her clothes Um, And then her husband had picked out all her Mm -hmm. clothes and we were shopping and I would say, do you like this? And she would say, I don't know. And that is true. She probably didn't know. She had no idea, like the concept. And I was like, okay, but when you put your eyes on it, does it make you feel happy inside or does it make you feel unhappy inside? She's like, I don't, I don't know. Should I buy it? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's real. That is actually real. When someone grows up, especially, um, What I find is siblings of high maintenance children tend to not always, but often grow into what we call pleasers. And what happens with the pleasing type, and this can also be others. It's not always siblings of high maintenance, but it's very common. What happens when someone is a pleaser is that they spend so much energy figuring out what other people want that they never learn how to figure out what they want. And that is very, very real. And a lot of the parents I work with have grown up to that point too, and they genuinely don't know. Mm. Wow. I mean, let's, let's raise our kids to be the kind of adults who know what they want and know what they like and know what makes them happy. And can ask for it respectfully. I mean, that's the key too. All right. So I have a final question, but I have one more final, a penultimate question, if you will. So I was talking to some um, subscribers earlier, I guess maybe late last year, talking to people about what they'd like to hear on the podcast. And someone said they wanted a parenting expert and, and they wanted just to be told that they were doing a good job. So Rachel, parenting expert, I know you hate the title, but I'm going to call you a parenting expert. Can you tell the moms out there that they're doing a darn good job? You are doing a darn good job. And here's what I would say to that mom specifically, or to anyone who questions, if you're even asking that question, you're a good parent, honestly. 
just ask, just wondering, am I good enough? I can guarantee that makes you good enough right there. Just even thinking about it. Ah, oh, love that. All right. So one more final question, which is what would you like our audience to take away from our conversation today? Is there a, a quick tip or an overarching theme? One thing that you really want our listeners to put in their heads and their hearts and take with them today? Yeah. I mean, I guess I would summarize what we've talked about, which is it starts with us figuring out who we are and coming from a place of confidence as parents. And that allows us to raise children who can become who they are supposed to be. And when we do see sort of negative behaviors and moods and attitudes along the way, which is usually when people come to me, just see that as a form of communication. We help our kids regulate. And when they're re-regulated, they can get back on track to figuring out who they're supposed to be. And we can't take that behavior or this attitude so personally or as a reflection on us as parents at all. Good, good, good stuff. Rachel, tell us where we can find you on the internet. So I would say the best place to find me is, because I give a lot of um, practical advice, hopefully, is my podcast, which is called Your Parenting Long Game. And then I also have a Facebook group associated, which is called Your Parenting Long Game Podcast Community. And then I'm on Instagram as Rachel Bailey Parenting. And my website is rachel-bailey.com. So Rachel, do you have something for our listeners? I do, because I was talking a little bit about how behavior really is a form of communication in children. I have something that they can watch that can really explain what's going on when you do see a negative behavior, mood, and or emotion so that you understand that it's really what your child is trying to tell you. So I will send you that video. Awesome. We will also have the link for that in our show notes as well. Rachel, thank you for being on the show and helping us understand that first and foremost, we are good moms and how we can be even better moms through all stages of our kids' development. Absolutely. Thank you for having me here. Ladies, have a wonderful week. Go out there and be great moms, great caregivers, just great people. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to head over to the website for any links, downloads, or resources we talked about during the episode. Go to youreverydaystyle.com slash podcast and find the episode you're looking for. While you're there, make sure you sign up for our email list. You'll get a weekly style tip as well as links to my favorite product of the week to help make style even easier. It's an email you'll actually look forward to getting, so don't miss out. We'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.